I'm Bianca. And I'm Angela. And this is Pedagogy of the Unimpressed. All right, so how you doing, Angela? <laughs> you know what? I'm good. Um, it's been a minute, but you know, I have started, kind of started the school year, not teaching yet, but just like in teacher meetings and whatnot. So uh, it's, a, it's a new experience. It's, it's really different. Uh, definitely different from when we started in the spring, well, when we switched to remote learning in the spring. But, you know, I'm adjusting. How are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm nearing the point of exhaustion, but at the same time, I have the capacity for it all. Um, so it's going to be okay. But it's very important that I like take a break. And yes, yes. and after yes. this, that is happening for me. I like depart for a short vacation tomorrow. All right now, see you enjoy yourself. Have a good time. I'll be here. Absolutely. Stuck in these Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely been I I there are moments where I'm just like exhausted like you said. And I was telling somebody recently that um that you know, at some point you got to you know, you got to sleep. You know how black people say Team no sleep, like sleep you know, sleep, sleep is I right sleep when I'm dead. I, right? Yes, that's the phrase. I sleep when I'm dead, and I'm like, nah, I need to sleep now because mm-hmm. if I don't, I'm not gonna be able to like give my full self. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's real. And I feel like I'm also in this space. Like uh, my comrade W. D. Floyd reminded me yesterday that Ella Baker told us that it's like how you make a life and it's how you make a living. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like I feel like I'm in a crucial position, which is actually a privilege. Where like I'm trying to merge how I can make a life and a living, right? Right. Into to, to, into right to some extent. Under, under capitalism, it's not going to be possible. I'm always going to have to make certain sacrifices to make a living that live outside of the confines of how I truly want to make a life. But I would really like to get as close to that as possible. Don't we all wish it? Okay. Yeah. I've been out here trying to make it happen. Um, but I've been thinking about recently, just like as I've, uh, started, you know, started back with these meetings with work and like hearing about all these different, um, these new policies, these new expectations that we have. And, uh, you know, I'd be on Twitter all the time scrolling through, just scrolling and posting and scrolling and posting. And, um, I saw a post maybe about a week ago that was about like student expectations for this online, like this remote learning um, experience that students are going to have to do. Okay. And so it was this list. I don't know. Have you seen this list? No. Okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read all the little bullet points. And, um, I think a lot of these are the same for like different schools. I've seen different teachers respond to, um, the post saying that, you know, it's similar for their school right now. I don't know what it looks like for my school, but okay. So student expectations first. Students must be live on camera, no avatars. We want to we want everyone to see them. That's one. <laughs> Two, students attend synchronous classes. Three, students view recorded videos before deadlines. Four, students must have teeth and hair brushed. <laughs> So you already we are we already on the same page. Uh, five students must be in day clothes, not pajamas. Six students must be in a quiet, well lit area, sitting vertically, not lying on beds or under covers, and ready to learn. Um, what number am I on? Seven. <laughs> Have water nearby. It's optional. <laughs> Hydration is optional. It's, right, right, right. Everything else on Day this clothes list. are right. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. Um and the last one, eight is uh refrain from eating. Okay, nutrition also optional. All right. <laughs> Prohibited, in fact. Okay. So so what what are your thoughts? Um what do you think about this list? I mean, you know, it's it's ridiculous, right? To an extent. I think that's the thing. Like, a lot of these are ridiculous. Like, how do they know if you brush your teeth? If I want to sit with my own bad breath, then that's my business. Right. 
I, I, that, that doesn't make sense to me. The hair, the hair brush piece doesn't make sense to me. Cause like what, what is deemed like brushed? Yeah. Well, we know what brush hair looks like, Angela. Come I on mean, now. We ain't if, I'm, play. if I'm, if I'm wearing my Afro though, yeah, what no. is, you know what I mean? Like what is, what is brushed hair? That's like how real. can, I feel like it's, it's subjective. Is that the word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of course. All these, poly- <laughs> like, right. There's anti-blackness definitely in that policy. Right. I, for sure. I, I definitely think so. Um, I think that what's hard for me is that like, as ridiculous as these policies are, and as much as like, I want to defy them and I want to choose to defy them because it's like the school that's telling me to do and it's like how dare you tell me what to do Mm -hmm. I also have to acknowledge that like I don't necessarily think that they're inherently bad like if I I don't have children but if I was a parent it would be like yeah get your ass up you're gonna sit (laughs) in the chair you know what I mean like do the work before it's due right um put on some clothes and like be ready for the day because that's how I would carry it as a parent but then, and I, I think that I would be the same way in that. Like, as a parent, I would. <laughs> right. Like, I might not say, get your ass up. The ass already going to be up. Like, right. It's, it's, okay. already, it's already established. Know, that's my parents. Okay. We're already in a routine. They, they own it. But, but, you know, that's not the case for all the families that we deal with. And so we have to think about, like, um, just some sense of equity when it comes to these expectations for students when they are online. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like schools are so focused on compliance when we need to really be focusing on the reason why we need these rules in the first place. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, we can dig into like the, the, the lack of, um, I don't know how to put this. I guess the lack of engagement that students might be experiencing in the classrooms that make these types of expectations necessary. Absolutely. Right. The root cause of the compliance is that there's a disengagement, right? That school is not engaging. School is not seen as useful, right? School does not provide like culture, right? Mm-hmm. So creativity mm-hmm. and none of that is like, is going to change based on what we were before. And it's not existing in this new virtual reality. Right. And we are just literally translating everything that we were doing in traditional schooling over to an online platform. Like I don't see that many differences happening in most schools. I've seen like my school has, you know, my network has tried to make a few changes, but it's not enough to the point where it's like this new idea of what learning could look like. Like we have the opportunity right now to reinvent what education looks like. And right now I feel like schools are failing it already. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting so many insights into like the human condition right now Mm -hmm. under this pandemic. Um, one, like one that we were talking about earlier was like the varying levels of like paranoia and like Mm. risky behavior that exists among certain folks. Like I'm willing to like go on a vacation. I am not willing to step outside of my house unless it's like absolutely essential. So like, that's just one thing I've been noting, noting among like people (laughs) that I'm really close with. Um, And then it's like, I'm also noting just how steeped we are in these institutions Mm. because it's like, the thing is that like parents and a lot of people still want to trust schools fully. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they still want their students to be engaged in school. Right. And I think even educators and administrators and like schools as institutions are so steeped into what school has been for so long that they don't know how to operate outside of that. Yeah. And I think like you said, it's educators in schools. But then you have, like you said, the parents who don't know how to operate outside of that either. They're afraid to take. um, They are afraid in the same way that like schools and um, educators are afraid to take the risk of like doing something completely different something that's out of the ordinary which is why you have so many people um you know um i'm even thinking about like the eradication of standardized tests Mm -hmm. and how like that is such a combating um um what's the word i'm looking for such a like it's it's people are, are literally arguing about the fact that like 
maybe we should cancel standardized tests. Maybe we shouldn't. And I don't even think that it should be an argument. Like, of course, this needs to be eliminated. Why is it such this grand idea? Why is it such um, a huge deal for us to let this practice go? And I think that is what that's the issue I feel like we're running into with like how we are trying to translate education over to this remote learning process. Things can change. Things need to change. But in order to do that, I feel like we like you said before, we have to be like encouraging um, creativity and collaboration and, and encourage for schools to take the first step and make that change. Yeah, and like the sad part for me is that we are adults were educated within like these same kinds of institutions, right? Be it public school, parochial school, independent school. Mm -hmm. We were educated the same way. And like that, the way that it exists now, it doesn't necessarily breed like agency and creativity. Yeah. There are folks that like have that need that like runs through their veins. Like I have to be creative, right? Like I have to go against the grain. I have to do my own thing. And like those people are going to do that and they're going to make the sacrifices that it takes to achieve like, you know, just like financial stability or life Mm -hmm. that is built upon their creativity. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that's being cultivated within institutions. So like, I think it's also interesting because it's showing you how like adults actually operate among the same paradigms. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're actually not encouraging students to do the same. Right. And I think, well, like you said, because we are operating in the same way, we don't know any different. And I'm not saying that we, like you and I, don't know any different. But for the most part, most adults don't know any different and they don't. So, like, how can I teach you something if I don't know what that looks like or or I don't have this imagination of like what this could look like exactly or nor do I have the capacity because like something I was sitting on like after our last episode was like dang like I feel like I sounded very capitalistic when we spoke about like what it means to like create these like alternative learning systems or like create pods where people are learning together and you like parents pay the educators themselves like I said that I wasn't ready for that because like I have so many bills that I feel like I need to attend to. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I'm actually steeped in these kinds of institutions too. Like Mm -hmm. there's something very like easy and reliable about the fact that like my paycheck is coming every two weeks. But I know that if I actually want to exercise my true creativity and my true agency and I wanted to put forth what I want to see in the world, I would quit today and I would be like, fuck all this. Like find me five five (laughs) 11 year olds and like we going to rock. But it, but it's hard. And it's like, not only is like, do I think about the reliability of what it means to have like a steady paycheck and health insurance, but it's like, I also think about all the work that that's going to be on me where like, I don't have anybody to fall back on. I don't have any room or any structure as a worker to be like, I need today off and there's nothing you can do about it because I earned my sick day and I earned my vacation time. See, I, but I wonder then like, you know, we think about if you if you're thinking about like the the load that it's gonna be on you, why not reach out to other educators who might be interested in doing the same thing? But then does it become a school again? You know what I'm saying? Like like at what point is it no longer a school and it's just like a place where students are um, having these different experiences and they're learning like. What makes a school not a school? That's very, no, (laughs) actually you're bringing a great point. And it's like, I could even contradict myself in the same point and like things that I've actually seen in my life from other like educational initiatives that I've been a part of. It's like the other thing is that school feel, school and like being a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Feels like work because like, it's not necessarily interesting to me either when I have to abide by certain standards and I have Right. Yeah. So it's like if I was actually doing the thing that I thought was cool and what I wanted young people to do, if we were like cooking together and sewing together Mm -hmm. and dialoguing about like healthy relationships Mm -hmm. and like our family dynamics and like ancestral trauma Mm -hmm. and black history. Right. Yeah. And um, I was taking them to swimming and martial arts and all of these things. Right. Like I would actually probably be having a great time all day. (laughs) But it's just actually, it's the labor of coming up with it and still having to show up every yes, day. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, you know, you just made me think about the fact that uh, the, the question that I had asked um, about, like, if you could teach whatever class you wanted to, what would it be? 
And there were just like so many different answers. And I think one of the things you said was about relationship building. And um, I think so many teach so many more teachers would love what they do if they could be, like you said, teaching things that actually matter to them. I am kind of fortunate enough, slightly, because right now I'm teaching statistics, a subject that is both useful and that I enjoy teaching. However, I have to teach AP stats, so I have to teach to an exam for one group of students. So like that is the piece that I'm just like, I have to hit all these standards by, yeah, I can't just, we can't just do like exploratory statistics, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Wow. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking like, well, we think about like this engagement, like what, what, what are some ways or like what is a way that something like this can truly happen where we're changing what traditional schooling looks like even during this pandemic? Like what can be done? No, I hear you, but I actually want to backtrack a little bit because it's like we started the conversation about compliance and then like we kind of ended it without even talking about like some of the root causes of the compliance. Oh, right? yeah. You yeah. know, so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so if I need like everyone to have their cameras on and I need everyone to like look a certain way, it's like there's this element of control that yes. exists. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not, it's not useful because it's like, I don't know. It's a tactic that's like, that's not, it's just not addressing the root cause for lack of better terms. Yeah. So like, for example, even in my own profession, I feel like as teachers, we get it and we have to make sure that we don't do the same thing to students. Mm-hmm. So like in this like nonprofit that I work for, like engage, like basically our online engagement has been up because like training has started and we're ramping up for the new school year mm-hmm. and every single online session or training that I've been on, I have somebody who's in charge of it and i'm putting that in air quotes because y'all can't see it there's like the person who's in charge or the presenter they're presenting a slideshow or a powerpoint that is shared amongst everyone on zoom they talk at me with all of the information that they plan to share which is like information banking which we've like learned is like not a useful tool in actually educating someone yeah and then they'll like speak for like five minutes straight or so and then it's like Anybody have any questions, thoughts? And it's like, damn, like I actually don't have a chance to process that in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Nor do you actually care. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that you came into this with your agenda for the session and like it my input or my was feedback it. was not actually in it. You wrote uh, let me tell you something, you wrote on your outline space for feedback. Absolutely, they did. <laughs> but did they actually care about what my feedback was going to be? Or did they Probably ask probing not. questions to get at it? Hell no. But even I, I'm, I'm still kind of. So my sessions have been similar to that. Mm-hmm. But they have gone a step further where we go into breakout groups. And we do like we'll discuss a question mm-hmm. related to whatever was just presented to us. So. It's different than what you are receiving, but I don't feel like it's much better than what you are receiving. Like the fact that we we go into the breakout rooms and we discuss blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Um, It's the same stuff they were doing when we were in person. Like there's nothing that's different. (laughs) Folks haven't adjusted. It's like we're living through a whole like alternative reality that (laughs) none of us that none of us ever, ever anticipated. And like y'all still want to be replicating the same stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. damn, where's folks creativity? Mm -hmm. Like damn, y'all don't know how to adjust. Like what does that say about you as a human being? And honestly, Angela, it's business as usual. It's business as usual. Just make it virtual. Yep. Okay. Like we're serving business as usual, but make it virtual. Like it's a whole category at the ball, baby. And it's the most boring category. Oh, you know, like what? And, 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 and the thing is like actually where I work, like they have been doing some of incorporating some of those practices that you talk about, but it's just like not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not and, and and my thing is that like what I like spoke up and said for the first time recently was like, hey, like if we operate, if we're so steeped in this mentality of like this is the way and this is what education looks like, then we cannot and like and we operate in this like bleak existence where I show up, I get dressed and I sit vertically and I brush my damn teeth. Mm-hmm. I do it all, Angela, mm-hmm. in order to 
be muted. Right. I show up to be muted mm-hmm. and to participate sporadically mm-hmm. in order to prove that I'm paying attention. Right. It's performative professionalism. Yeah. However, it wouldn't be work to me if y'all actually engaged me. Yeah. If you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm you with see you what I'm saying? Uh huh. I would, I would willingly meet these expectations if my expectations were met in the sessions that I sit in. Like, if I'm coming here to learn, not only just to learn, but to also be engaged, because I feel like that is part of the process of learning. It has to be. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like there is no other way around this. And like you said, if I'm just showing up to be muted most of the time, what am I actually learning? You're just talking at me. I could I could go watch videos on this on my own. Like I can read the slide. I don't need you to read words on a slide to me. No, I could do that on my own and just ask you questions later if I have any questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just you know, it's just like at what point do we realize like these expectations where we're trying to get students comply to to comply at what point do we do realize we... that we are the problem you know it's, <laughs> yes. a, it's yes. no different it's something that i've been saying and i don't know if i said it on this podcast i think i did i know i said it it's like what that's my that's my one thing that i think about when we talk about this like defund the police and get the police out of schools argument it's mm-hmm. like and granted, I agree. Like, get them out of there. Like, I, I got no love for the fucking police. Please don't ever excuse that, like, what I'm about to say for that. But what I'm saying is that as educators, we actually have a stake in this. I know that when my lesson is boring, I know that when my lesson is not engaging, that's when yes. I have problems. Yes. So it's that day. It's like, it's that day where it's like, I'm, I'm being boring. There's a student who's not trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. And they start p- talking back, pushing mm-hmm. back, cracking jokes, being disruptive. And I'm like, you know what? Get them out of here. Like somebody called them like, I can't do it today. Mm-hmm. And and I'm the root cause. But that's to the an thing, extent. though. I, you said you know when you're being born, right? Like Absolutely. you know when your lesson is not. Oh, you know. That's what I'm saying. So like we know. We know. I know, I know. We know. You know. Yeah. Like, we know that we are the root cause of this problem. So we need to fix it. Like, point blank. Thinking that sending a student out of the classroom because they're being disruptive, because your lesson is boring or your lesson, your lesson is not engaging enough, it's not, it's unfair to them. No. But that's they a- shouldn't have to, honestly, they shouldn't have to pay attention if, I, like, this, in this, you know, you can judge me for saying this, but they shouldn't have to pay attention if it's not something that's engaging. I That's how I honestly feel because I feel that way when I'm in sessions that are not um, engaging in any kind of way that I could have just done on my own or not. I didn't even need it at all. I hear you. And I think that like, I think that what you're saying is true. And then I also think to an extent that like, I think that everything can't be like a song and dance. Right. And I can't write. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you said that, but it's mm-hmm. like, that's also important to note. Like, like yeah. everything isn't going to be interesting. Sometimes we got to like break down this reading. Mm-hmm. Right. And because I because maybe as an educator, I know that you're going to be better for it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that's that I, I have built a relationship with you that says like, hey, this is built on mutual respect. And yeah. because you respect me and then like you also trust me to know like what is going to like advance your personal development then i'm asking that you engage and participate in this even if it's not to your particular liking today right but the thing about this virtual reality and where so many (laughs) folks are coming at with it is like we're not taking the time to build the relationships so that we can actually get to that point you're right and but then it speaks to like well how do you build relationships with students virtually that that's another question that's kind of I won't say it's up in the air, but it is kind of like, what are some ways that we can um, build community and um, with the new students that we're teaching? Like I don't have any of the same students that I taught last year, yeah. so I have to figure out ways that I can build relationships with them online and like. And I've been like thinking of different things that I can do. Um, but I'm just I just wonder like how many teachers are just gonna skip over that and just get straight into the okay first first se- first session you know right into teaching 
Because we don't have any time to waste because, you know, the SAT is coming up next year or, you know, like. <laughs> when the thing is, we got nothing but time to uh, waste, we, actually. Nothing but nothing time. Nothing but it. You know? Well, I actually think that's, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because one thing that we did not discuss because we wanted to keep it to ourselves. But, like, I'm willing to speak a little bit too today is, like, the C's that we came up with when we talked about, like, a culturally affirming environment. Mm-hmm. So when we had that training that we talked about, what Angela and I and our, like, thought process and our knowledge creation of how we, like, want to separate ourselves from other people who are doing these kinds of trainings is that we came up with what we call the eight C's of a culturally affirming classroom. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that... I can think of a few of those that are going to be like the saving grace if we can salvage anything from this virtual reality. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Care. Mm-hmm. Collaboration. Mm-hmm. And shoot, we talked that, about... Go ahead. No, I was going to say that creativity that comes into play. Creativity. You know? That's the thing. I feel, I feel like those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, then like we talk, also talked about comfort. And we talked oh, about yeah. physical comfort a lot, but it's like, and I'm okay with you actually being physical, com- physically comfortable. But see, my thing is like, I feel like that's a challenge. Like you can lay down when we start, but I would love to be able to challenge, to be able to engage a student to the point where they feel like they got to sit up, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. um, they're so interested. Um, or it's just that chill or the comfort is cool because we're chilling that day. Like we're talking about music or like we're doing games and icebreakers. Right. They, they're... They, their moods and like their behaviors fit whatever the vibe is for the lesson that day or for the session that you're hosting that day. Mm-hmm. So like connection to me is going to be the biggest the, piece because like it's hard because it's like you like yeah. unfor- we're going to be forced to meet certain standards. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like I have to do my best to try to connect. I got to do one on ones. Like I feel like at the end of the day, it's like we're going to have to put some extra time in. Oh, I know. I, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today about that very thing about like he's he asked me, you know, are you going to are you I know you're not going to have. Even though I don't know what my schedule is supposed to be yet. Uh, but he's like, he said, I know you're not going to have the time to um, do lessons, like hour-long lessons with students every day of the week. Like, they're not, we are not doing synchronous. We're doing maybe like 90% asynchronous learning. That's okay. what most of our stuff is. And so he's like asking are you going to try to do like one-on-one sessions, small group sessions, like that time with students? And I said, absolutely. Because I still like, I'm still working during the day. Like I, I still have all of this time. I was doing those types of things when we were in person, I will take out whatever extra time I need. And it's not even extra time to me, um, to have, like you said, those one-on-one engagements with students. Cause it is going to be hard to make those connections. Like I had those connections when we started remote learning in the spring. So it was kind of easy, not the, not super easy, but it was kind of easy to have the sessions with students where they met all of the expectations. And I put expectations in quotes mm-hmm. because I didn't really have to tell them. They, they showed up to the sessions. They were at their little desks. They had the computer, they had the camera on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking of like, what ways can I foster, um, new relationships with these students, these new students that I have. Extra time is going to be in it. That gets to even, I think what we've spoken about before where it's like people think that like a lot of educators going to take slack or they're not doing their jobs right, right. now. Or like parents <laughs> are doing the teaching. It's like if you have good ones, they're actually putting in a lot of time to this. And the mm-hmm. thing is, it's interesting because it's like they might not see it. Like every right. particular parent might not see it because of the reality that we're living in. But that doesn't mean that like your it's Monday is loaded. From nine to four with like one-on-ones with every single student. That yeah. parent only sees one hour of it, which is hard. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I can I can I can understand the fact that that feels as if like your child isn't getting like full-on instruction. But that doesn't mean that educators aren't working. Mm-hmm. Because we putting in overtime, honestly. For sure. Like like we like we've been doing nothing. Right. Nothing. You new. know. <laughs> nothing about this shit is new. <laughs> It's just behind the screen. It's the same shit behind the screen. But it needs to be something new. Bianca. Absolutely. It needs to be something new. Like yeah. what what can be done 
um, that's different. Yeah. That's innovative and it's true. So one thing I wanted to discuss, like or I wanted to like tell folks about is like this um initiative that the organization that I'm a part of, 360 Nation, is doing in partnership with a professor at SAIC. That's the School of the Art Institute in Chicago for those who are not familiar. Um, and it just kind of was cool because it's like someone that like is someone I'm loosely like connected with. Like we have like friends of friends in common, mm -hmm. but they like are aware of the work that I do. And they knew that like I'm teaching this art therapy class and I have a budget that can work. And like, mm -hmm. how can we work together and make something happen? Mm -hmm. So we talked and I thought about it and I'm like, let's provide some stuff to like certain students provide some things that they aren't getting from like the traditional virtual learning. Mm -hmm. So like to make it short, the organization that I'm a part of has like an initiative called little miracles, which is just like providing like things that folks need and then make them happy. Just like no questions asked. Like we just provide it to this community, particularly in the West Garfield park community of Chicago. So I'm like, all right, we're doing the food and the essential supplies. Like, I've been wanting to add an education component to it because we work mm -hmm. out of a school. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the whole point. It's like... And it's a youth-based program. It's, so. it's like there's youth-based <laughs> portion to it. And it's like we got to feed people. Like, we got to fulfill people. Like, like the, what's, hurt, what's hurting me about this existence where I show up on mute is that, like, man, it doesn't feed me. Or when I think about when activism only looks like we respond when there's a crisis of a black person gets killed by the police. Yeah. It's like, yep. damn, like, that yes. sucks. <laughs> and it fucks me up. But that shit don't feed me like mm -hmm. it don't it doesn't develop me. It doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me like have any kind of hope. So it's like that's why like when we talked about in the very first episode, which I appreciate how this is coming full circle from where we started completely. Yeah. It's like I got to try to give people shit that's going to feed them. So I was like, all right, well, we know that there are children in this community and that we're going to be working out of a school. So, like, what if we provided just an art project? You're doing art therapy. Let's do an art project. Because it's like we need to provide something where we know that even if it's small, I don't care if it's an hour, hopefully maybe two hours, that, like, if a parent was interested and they actually made that child set, sit down and do it, mm -hmm. they could be out engaged outside of a screen for right. a significant amount of time. Right. Yep. So we made that up. So like basically in her classroom of college students, they're going to come up with an art project, a culturally relevant to be specific art project, and right. they're going to provide everything. So she has a budget of like some $500 mm -hmm. and then hopefully they're going to raise funds within themselves too, mm -hmm. to come up with canvases, paint, um, it frames if that they actually had enough money, you know what I mean? So that folks can hang it up. Cause mm -hmm. something that never sits right with me. And I think about the way I grew up. is like how, like when you're low income, like you don't think about aesthetic and art. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. survival is first. Like, man, it's like, man, when I think about like poverty to an extent, I think about a mattress on the floor. Mm -hmm. I think about bare walls, bare walls. And, yeah. I think about bed sheets over the window. Yep. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and that's real for mm -hmm. so many people, but like, damn, it's like, but when you walk into your home that doesn't necessarily make it a space where you can just and just relax right that level of comfort that level of comfort doesn't exist so i was like okay what if we make it so that like then young people have something that they can put on their walls mm -hmm. so I, we talked oh no 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 go ahead finish i want to know yeah oh so you know we talked <laughs> so we we talked about that and she was like perfect so like the, the her students are gonna like kind of come up with something that we're looking for. They're going to like supply everything and make it really accessible. So like, I don't care if it's paint by numbers. I don't think if on the canvases that they draw, like we have like a Dinkra symbols that we use in the organization. Mm -hmm. They can draw all of their those symbols on the canvas and then they provide the paint and then like students just have to fill it in because I also yes. think that art can be inaccessible in the way that like, if I gave you a blank canvas and some paint, folks can also be overwhelmed. Like, what do I do with this? Right. If it, yes, if it's a blank canvas, it's absolutely. hard. So it's like okay, like let's let's make it accessible. Let's make it engaging so that folks yes. can just sit down and just like sit with it. So they're gonna do all that. They're gonna provide the bags, drop it off for us at three sixty, and then we just distribute Pass them out to the families. Yeah, I really love that idea of like um, making it something that is very accessible. 
um, for students, for, for families. I'm even thinking about like, you, you know, you think about the paint by number art kits that exist now. I, I've done one. I did one of uh, Beyonce. <laughs> It looks amazing, by the way. I've seen it. My friend did a Sade, and I said, what the? You did that? Yeah, I had people like, wait, you? It was paying by numbers. Y'all, y'all know yeah. I can't do mm-mm. But But the fact that, you know, like, it was like a $40 kit. The fact that this is something that's free, that y'all can just distribute. I mean, free for people in the community for you all to distribute, I think is amazing. And I'm even, it's, it's got me even thinking about like the STEM kits that exist that are like subscription STEM kits that people can buy. It needs to be something that can just be distributed to families. Like you got my, you got my, uh gears turning over here like I'm what can we do that's more like this so that we're um we gotta provide to folks it's like yeah here's the thing it's like say oppression ended tomorrow say everything just all of a sudden was just wiped clean and brand new i feel like it's important to me that i'm engaged in the kind of work that can last and sustain and right. that's what we talked about. Yeah. And I get back to that first episode and we yeah. talked about why we started this podcast. And it's like, education is my activism. Yes. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is how I decide that I want to make an impact on the world. Because like oppression in its forms, you could abolish police. You could abolish jails. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could do all that tomorrow. Everybody free. Right? They could be physically free, but are they mentally free? Mm-hmm. Do they know themselves? Do they know their history? Do they know their culture? Angela, Angela. <laughs> that's what oh, we need. Man. That's that's what we need. Like the little bomb, <laughs> you know, the little. <laughs> I'm just like, damn! I had to stop myself because you you're right. So like, <laughs> this is what we have to be in the business of providing. Mm-hmm. Damn! If oppression ended tomorrow, you know, it's a do. lot of we do need to be in the business of providing something that is sustainable beyond. I had... I hate to say it, but it's a lot of activists out here who would be lost. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, being an educator is what grounds me. Yeah. It's important to me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm always connected with community. I'm always connected with youth. I'm always connected with family. I'm always connected across income. I think that's what makes being an educator so... Such a crucial role yeah but people but you know like the fact that and we've talked about this before the disrespect that educators get absolutely but like everything you just listed is so crucial to what to shaping like what the future looks like and how things can be sustained absolutely (laughs) and it's funny that's my word for the day and the interesting thing too that what bothers me is that like i could present what we're doing at 360 because we got to raise money for it Mm-hmm. Like we have a student at SAIC or a professor at SAIC and students like who have some funds and who are raising funds for that month of October. But we're going to keep this initiative going monthly. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. we have to raise funds for it. But here's the problem, Angela. That's going to be extremely difficult. And you know why? Because it's not connected to a crisis. Which is Angela. Which is uh, I could. I could I could trip when I'm leaving right. your apartment. I You're could, right. Angela, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. I could trip on my way out of your apartment and sprain my ankle and be like and start a GoFundMe right now. Like Bianca can't do the work. Support her, and I bet you I would make a grip. But I'm even thinking about all these organizations we know that are making a grip based off of black trauma and black pain. I like the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that have been raised to get people out of jail and to like I j- <laughs> You're right though. You're right. People are not out here and I'm not going to say this is everybody, but you're not getting that influx of money, like that much money that's going towards youth-based organizations and like no. encouraging this this creativity and this collaborative work with our youth you're and, right yeah <laughs> and culture building and knowledge yes. building you know yeah. it's like i can put this out there and i promise you it would not hit i can promise you it would not slap i can promise you we probably won't secure the donations that we really want to we're gonna probably have to capitalize on crisis and then divert the funds to this 
But is this not a crisis in and of itself? Thank you. That's you know, why we thank you, and you maybe know, that's how we gotta start. You gotta, yeah, you gotta approach it in that way because, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know how else to put it. How is this not? How is this a different? How is this different than any of the other major crises? Is that right? <laughs> crises, English, English, cri- crises, crises. <laughs> We're gonna go with that. We're gonna go with that. English teacher over here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like just how is that any different besides the fact that nobody is immediately being physically harmed? That's it. But mentally, psychologically, right? That's what I'm saying. Like this, this is a crisis. Yeah, it should be treated in. uh, It should be people should be giving money to it in the same way that they give money to all of these bail funds and to you know (laughs) a hundred a hundred percent. And that's my gripe. And that's so why it's so hard for me as I continue to engage in this. And, like, why I would love for, like, ourselves to, like, you know, figure out where we want to go with this. And I yeah. would love for other educators to, like, get on the same page to be like, yo, like, guess what? When all this shit is said and done, we're still here. Yeah. We're still educating black children. We're still showing up every day. Yes. We're still providing. Yes. You know? We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so it's like... Fuck with us. Support this. Because guess what? A lot of us, it's what we talked about when we talked about our relationship to capitalism. A lot of us mm-hmm. want to live outside of what's presented to us. Mm-hmm. Nobody is feeling excited to show up for these schools every day. You know. Nobody. We're not interested in this either. But it's like, it's hard because it's like, as black folks, like, sometimes, like, teaching, I feel like sometimes just like being a damn police officer or a CO for some people, folks who don't have a degree. It's mm-hmm. a path to the middle class. Mm. Mm. It's, mm. It, that's what mm-hmm. it is. And it's like, now granted, it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like you and I sitting here, we're both really intelligent people. Like Angela, you could be a whole engineer making seven figures right now. Like that's nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're right. You know, I could, I could be doing anything too. Like this is what, this is our purpose and this is what calls us and that's what makes us who we are. Um, but we have to be able to like also... I don't know. We just have to be able to engage people in a way that like under like has the understanding of like the work that we're doing is important. Yeah. And we need y'all to like support this because the state don't. And we need you to support us because, because we don't, you know, <laughs> we would love to do this shit independently. I would love to do it creatively. I would love to do it with absolutely right. all of my agency. I mean, think about if you and I got down together and it's like you would handle all of the STEM. I would handle all of the humanities. We only need one more person to probably handle art. We probably need one person to do administrative, right? right. And then we probably right. need somebody right. on food if we were going to have them all day. <laughs> That's dope. Know. That's, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we can we can build on this. But like you said, we don't have the capital. We don't have the agency to be able to do this. Like, I, I agree with you on that 100%. If I could do this on, you know, if I didn't have to go clock in full-time teach every day so you can live right just so you can live and like create these experiences better experiences for students yeah i guess we can leave it at that yeah 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 so i mean yeah go ahead yeah i'm just i'm just thinking i'm really just like i I think the overall question or like what we're thinking about is like what can we do differently with the way that schooling is done now? I think it's that and then I think that like even if you step step outside of like yourself as the professional, like myself as the educator, so mm-hmm. whoever is listening, but it's like think about yourself and how you want to show up as a person. Mm. How do you feel like when you're like fully engaged? Right. When you're yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're fully like actualizing your full self is what I talked about. It's like, man, I was an educator the minute I stepped out of college and I was like, wow, I need to take a step back from that. Like, and it was as simple as working as a, at a bar. Like the idea of being able to carry a tray full of glasses without dropping it felt like it was something for me because I was exercising a different part of who, of who I you are. who yeah. I am and who and, di- and just building a different skill set. Yeah. So I feel like what we have to ask ourselves is like, 
are we exercising our full creativity as humans, especially as black people? I know most of our listeners are black and we're like trying to talk to black people. And like, I feel like creativity is the like crux of being black. It is. Absolutely. It's like the creativity is unmatched. (laughs) Completely. Have you, have you seen Black Twitter? Okay. Uh, thank you. Exactly. I was thinking that for you. I'm like, I'm behind. My Twitter name is like Bianca J with a bunch of numbers behind it. I got to figure out how to change. Um, you know, but it's like, it's that. So it's like how, if you think about the way that you want to be engaged and the way that you want to be your full self in the world, that's what we have to be in the business of imparting upon young people. Yeah. Because it's like when I think of it, it's like when I'm when I, when I was growing up or the way that I want young people to be actualized now, it's like I feel like I just want them to see all different kinds of people in front of them. Yes. I want them to see to. me. I want them like to see a queer sister with locks. Mm-hmm. I want them to see Angela who like wears her natural hair, but then will also put the put the faux locks in to switch it up on you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want I want them to see like athletes. I want them to see. Fims. I want them to see, I just want them to see all the things. And I feel like even when we think about the profession, everyone's like, you got to do this thing. But I think the dope part is about like development of like youth and yeah. how folks can even imp- impact the youth. Like we have people who aren't educators who listen. Like if you have nieces and you have nephews yes. and you just have people who yes. you're close with, it's about showing up as your full self and them seeing the way that you like. And it's about, it's about them seeing the way that you unapologetically be who you live your life and be who you are and that's what I feel like just more young people need to see they do because they're definitely not getting it I mean I know they're not getting it schools ain't providing it no not at all (sighs) yeah so that's it last episode Season dropping knowledge, okay? Yeah, yes. I've been thinking about was, a lot of stuff. This came back full circle, though. I like, I do, I do love how that you know so much of so much of what we do and like the things that we talk about is connected. Mm. But yeah, you're right. That's that's season one. That's it. <laughs> we need a break. We Bianca need. needs a break. Okay, we we definitely need a little bit of time to. You know, get our lives back in order, um, preparing for this school year. Yeah. Yeah. And as we are taking this break, um, we are like we've really been thinking about how we can continue this, um, how we can continue this work uh, beyond this podcast um, and thinking about ways that we can help to create some type of community for black educators. So we are going to start something in spring 2021 called the hall pass where we're offering some type of monthly dialogue with black educators the opportunity for black educators to come together um discuss different education related topics discuss things that are going on within their communities discuss like different ideas that you have um bianca i don't know if you want to expound on that anymore but like that's what it is we just we just chilling and getting the chance to like build community and network with one another. It's important Mm -hmm. because when we thought about it for full transparency, it's like, okay, we know that we need a break from the podcast because it's like, we need to be able to come up with like unique, engaging content. And like, if we continued in this space where we're in, y'all would start to hear the same thing all of the time. So, right. We needed to make sure (laughs) we took a breather to come back fresh. And it's like a lot of people have supported us on Patreon. And I take it serious that you're using your dollars to like support this platform. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that you all feel like it's being used the right way. So, like, the one thing that we knew that we wanted to accomplish is, like, we have to create a sense of community among folks. And within that community, and if we provide space for black educators and we show up for them, like, that will turn into, like, how do we distribute resources? Because, like I was saying to Angela, I could get, we could send a book to, like, Chantel in Los Angeles, but, like, that doesn't mean that I know her. Right. And and I want to know her. Because it's like, okay, if she if she fucks with the, the platform and she fucks with the philosophy and what we've been talking about enough that she enlists herself to, in, to get materials, mm-hmm. then I want to know her, yeah. but I actually don't have the opportunity. So what is important to me that we do is that we create community. So then it's like, okay, these are the people who are engaged and then this is where the resources start being distributed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're doing this labor. We're spending our time. So it's like, we, we don't want to charge black people for this. So like to like that's the start of where the Patreon starts to go 
and will continue to be transparent as that evolves. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's amazing. I think it's going to be dope. I do too. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the sessions, the the um, spontaneous virtual sessions that I've had with different Black educators uh, during this time in the pandemic. And I, yeah, this is something that we will be fully invested in. Um, and yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready too. I love meeting. I love meeting other Black educators, y'all. Like for real, for real. Nice. Especially ones who are invested in the same things, you know, like grounded in the same things that we are. You you don't know how much it means to me when I like see people comment on like the our um our about our podcast. They'll leave comments like, "Oh my god, I love it so much." Yeah, it I'm, it feeds me. It, it does. It me. does. It really does. It feeds me too. All right. So that's a wrap. Pedagogy, the unimpressed season one. We launched Juneteenth, twenty twenty. That is a day that will go down in the books forever. Yeah, I want to thank everybody, especially the people that I know who have like sent me messages and be like, I really actually like it. I don't know offhand. I'm thinking about like my friend Terrell. I'm thinking about Jackie who also helped us with workshops. I'm thinking about my homie Kai. I'm thinking about my friend Isel. I'm thinking about um, Say Young. Just people who have given me feedback like, Bianca, I appreciate what you're doing. Like, I just want to thank you all because I like, I think I know that you're listening. I hope that you're listening. And like, it's important to me. And I would say the same, you know, I've, I've told you about the number of people who have reached out to me, um, my personal friends, Jeremy has reached out to me and told me that he loved, like he just recently told me he's caught, he's all caught up and he's waiting for the next, you know, okay, for the next okay. to drop. Yes. Um, had his aunt and his, uh, cousin listening to it in the car with him driving yes. or whatever um my friend nikki who's also she says she's all <laughs> nikki <laughs> you know nikki. She, she says she's all caught up um i have co-workers and i'm just gonna i'm i'm i have one specifically that i that has been listening and she shared it with some of her buddhist um friends so mm. one of her friends who's a buddhist who uh, or who practices buddhism and she has her own podcast and she just loved like she loved listening to our episode so my co-worker jenny shout out to jenny mm. amazing um yeah and i yeah I, i've had so many co-workers reach out and part of me i was kind of um what's the word i was hesitant about like sharing it with certain co-workers oh yeah you know you know people because you don't know what we about to say on this and, thing it's like we've exactly, been real good you know exactly so but they but like the feedback has been nothing but positive nothing but it. um and yeah i appreciate it we we appreciate it yes so so much and we can't wait to you know yeah we'll be back we're gonna brainstorm we're gonna come fresh mm-hmm. a theme a, a certain perspective like i you know i just the virgo in me is a perfectionist and like we got to <laughs> do this thing right so yeah. it's important that we stop now this is a great stopping moment for both of us mm-hmm. um and we will be back in full effect and continue to in, in continuing to expand what this what this pr- platform of transformative learning for educators looks like yeah All right. All right. With that, we out. Bye.